Hello, this is Let the Good Dice Roll, an exalted retrospective uh, podcast on a two and a half year long campaign that I ran that I cannot post up for legal reasons, uh, where we ask the important questions like, would you rather fuck an android or be fucked by an android? I don't... What? No. No. <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on from let's those... Move, let's move on from Brendan's weird obsession with Nier Automata. Yeah, that's... We're just, we're just not gonna approach that subject, I guess? <laughs> um... Is there anything you want to say before we get started? This yeah, so um, this is our first episode where we're actually recording with our fancy new studio microphone. Woo. We're going to see how this works out. Uh, hopefully it comes out pretty well. Uh, I'm going to make sure and post that it comes out pretty well, but let's hope that it causes less headaches for me. Yeah, we'll than see. more. <laughs> and then uh, starting... Not this Sunday, but uh, February 2nd, we're going to be starting Mage back up. I know we've mentioned that before. Yep. So uh, the next episode that everyone should be hearing after this goes up should be our Mage behind the scenes that we recorded on our final episode that we, that we recorded on Not the Studio Microphone. Yep. Um, it was basically just uh, about an hour and a half uh, after after like every, all the pauses and everything of... You, Julia, and me sitting down and just kind of talking about the mage game so far. Did you already edit it then? Oh, no, not yet. Okay, because it was only like an hour. It was only an hour, but the total of us sitting down came out to like an hour and a half. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. It's like edited, it's probably going to be somewhere closer to like 50 minutes. Probably. But it's going to have some really interesting stuff, like some teasers for the next, uh, for the ne- for the next half of the season. And uh, like things like inspiration uh, for it. Uh, if you're, if you've been, um, if you've been listening to this podcast and not the Mage podcast, like, like one, why? Like, that's our actual good content. And two, like, hopefully that will help, uh, get you into wanting to listen to Mage because we talk about a lot of really interesting things like GM techniques and what's to come and just fun moments that happened crazy moments that happen which are also fun moments yep. usually <laughs> so uh i do want to preface this particular episode with the fact that it's gonna probably gonna be two sessions worth it's the last two sessions before we actually switch over to godbound which i believe excuse me apparently i have the hiccups uh which i believe we mentioned before it's a lot of combat it's not a lot of notes on our end it's just a lot of combats us going into stories about it and at the end of the episode, we really hope to kind of talk about how Brendan and I both felt about Exalted 3rd Edition and basically transitioning into Godbound and making those characters and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a good, uh, that's a good thing. And if, you know, if our review, if you can call it that, of Exalted turns into like a five-minute five minute discussion... We might go a little bit further, but we probably won't because I have a lot of gripes about particularly the second session that's going to show up here. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get this started then. This first session took place on Sunday, March eight, March the 18th, 2018. We found out that uh, Raldo's name was the secret owner of all things. We probably mentioned that before, but it's also written in my notes now again. So, if we so, haven't... Yeah. So, if we haven't, that is actually his exalted title 
Um, and it is definitely probably one of the best Exalted titles. It's extremely true, too. So, as a Larceny Superdal, he very much so... He, he very much owns everything, but you don't know that he owns it. Yeah, that shirt on your back, that's his. He just lets you use it. Because he's a kind and benevolent uh, sun he's god. He's a kind and benevolent sun god. Yep. That's what I'm going with. I'm sticking. Yep. I'm sticking to that. Let's, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so we are getting reports through the sorcery of Gethamain, uh, and Raldo has a fleet that's coming to Gethamain that he got from some demons, and he also ran into fucking Dancer of all people, and they had some kind of conversation. I think it was something along the lines of, oh, it's just you. Where's the other, you know, night cast? And I, I'm just sitting there like, fuck you, flicking him off. Right? Yeah, no. Uh, he wanted to try and uh, talk with you all because um, he's convinced that his way is the right way. Like every villain. Like every villain. I mean, that's what makes a good villain, in my opinion, is that they're either, they're either completely affably evil, like just... They know that they're evil and they don't give a fuck, or they are convinced that their way is the right way. Sometimes both of those coincide. They know they're evil, but they think their way is still the right way. Right. So, what did we do on this session? Well, there was lots of planning, and while everybody was planning stuff, I was redoing Storm Sheet because I left it at home. Uh, which is kind of funny considering that we don't stick with the system past this session and another one. So I didn't really right, have yeah. to redo my sheet. But at this point, we didn't know that we were going to switch. Yeah. Literally, it's next session where I make the call of, I cannot do this shit anymore. Yeah. So there's lots of planning about what we're going to do. And then we all go to the boats and have a boat fight in the air. So to um, go back onto the planning thing. You guys were planning to uh, help retake Gethamain with the Bull of the North. Um, yep. That was what most of the planning was. And if I recall, you guys were going to have the army march down. Uh, Raldo, does it have in the notes that he has a fleet on the way? Yes. That's what this, probably the second sentence of the notes that they said. Right. Okay. I just wanted that to That he sure got from demons and that he right. had to answer. Right. Okay. So... Raldo has a fleet on the way, and basically it's a, hey, we've got to hold the line and start storming this while the fleet gets here. Once the fleet gets here, everything's a-okay. Yeah, a-okay. Let me put some air quotes around that that people can't see. So, uh, we went into a wild hunt party, and let's just say it was uh, quite the party, because with this group was uh, Tepesada, which is Diego's brother. Yep. Yeah, legs like tree trunks. I believe is how I keep describing him because he is basically Jonathan Joestar. So I have a, also a somber guy with bone pale, thin... He's like bone pale, he's very thin, he's got his hands in his pockets, uh, and he wanted to fight Behemoth. He almost has a hoodie on, I think, or like a cloak. I, I want to say it was like a blue cloak. I don't remember. Yeah, I want to say it was like blue cloak and black pants. And then there's this dude with blonde hair and a blade hat. Ario Speedwagon. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Wow, I can't believe it took me this long to get to one of my literal favorite JoJo characters. It's literally written in parentheses in the notes. It says Ario Speedwagon. Excuse you, it is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. 
But you called him Mario Speedwagon. I did call him Mario Speedwagon. But what I should have done is I should have gone up to you guys and been like, my name is Speedwagon. Because that's like the best thing from uh from from part two when that the when the German guy comes up and goes, Speedwagon, ho ho ho. That's not a German thing, That's but really for, not it's German really, at it, all. Yeah, but you've seen Battle Tendency. He totally does that to Speedwagon. <laughs> uh, he totally hones. Wow, that's how I should have gotten my French accent. Is I should just hones. Omelette du fromage. That is how we got it. Is thank you Dexter's Laboratory. Thank you Dexter's Laboratory for teaching me how to do a French accent. Well, so we have the. Uh, in air quotes, perfect martial arts form used by Tepetsado. He has a uh, fire dragon punches. Um, his perfect martial arts form was Kaiser Kaiser knuckle style, which is a um. Isn't it like a more of a brawl? It's technique? more of a brawler, just straight like. Kaiser Champion style. That's what it's called. It's a. It, that was one of the options you gave us when we switched over to Godbound. Was so we yeah, could use that. What was one. Kaiser Champion, which is. I just actually like, gave it to one of our NPCs that never really got to fight when we fought Chemicals you, way later on. You know when that we get to uh, when we get to some of this other stuff because like very rapidly it's gonna turn into Brendan and Christina story time of here's what happens between bullshit. Yeah. Uh, spoiler, I, I helped, when we switched over to Godbound, I helped Brendan to kind of alleviate a lot of the shit that he had to do for the campaign. I helped him build a lot of NPCs, and my big thing was, because we have an uh, abyssal circle that comes in later from a campaign that Brendan and I played with some other friends, uh, I remember my build for that character, Brendan knew his, and I kind of remembered everybody else's, so I was like, you worry about the story, I'm gonna build the characters for you. And we'll figure this shit out. Which was incredibly helpful because at the time I was working two fucking jobs. Yeah. Having to build six characters, even in Godbound, which is a very easy to build game, is still a lot of fucking work. Yeah, and at that point Storm, because it was after a time skip, Storm had taken kind of a seat back and she was just the information collector and disperse the information and just kind of let the, le the rest of the solar group do what they wanted to do you know and what? provide input and kind You know what I just realized that I can do for the final episode here? What? Um, for the final episode of this of this Exalted Retrospective series, I can actually tell you guys, like, how the South is supposed to go. How storming, like, everything the else. Castle. How, how storming the castle. How storming the castle is supposed to go. How taking down the maiden beneath the waves is supposed to go. Because we're going to have an episode of how the game ends, which unfortunately ends a little bit sooner than I wanted to, but basically everybody... You were getting burned out, and a lot of people were were just not feeling it as much as we did. Yeah, uh, I, I, I blame that a lot on how that Godbound, while easy to run, is not as... Flavorful as Exalted? Not, you don't get to flip the boat. Or when you do get to flip the boat, it's not as cool as when you flip the boat and exalt it. It's not as cool and cinematic. But back to this. So we've got a Tepe uh, Sato with his martial art. We have the Pale Dude, which is the Sidereal of Journeys. And he's using Osseus Hour of Misfortune. Okay. So Osseus Hour of Misfortune style is a Sidereal martial art that is based At off... At least it's not charcoal, more just spiders that fucking... 
art. Ugh. Yeah, no, that comes in, I want to say, like, three or four sessions after this. Oh, that martial art, man. Um, so, Osseus Hour of Misfortune style is based uh, entirely off of a genocide run of Undertale. All of his abilities are based off of Sans's abilities in, uh, uh, in, in the genocide run as him being the boss fight. Um, it's all about, hey, like, basically, the only person who was, uh, completely exempt from, uh, getting fucked by, by this style was Tally. Because Tally has never killed anyone. Whereas I was just like, that's not who I'm fighting. Fuck that, I'm not fighting that dude. Fuck that, I'm not fighting that dude. Because so, like, being a martial arts expert, uh, as Storm, it, Brendan was very, uh, nice with me about it where I knew different martial arts and as Christina, I recognized different martial arts. So he was just like, this is the martial art they're using. So as soon as he told me about that, I was like, Brendan, is that the one I think it is where it's going to fuck me two ways to Sunday? And he's like, yeah. It's yeah. Like, no, yeah. I'm not fighting him. Fuck that. Anybody who's ever killed any more than like a person. No, we're not fighting that dude. Don't yeah, yeah no, if, you, if you've killed a person, you can probably get away with it. But if you've killed persons over nine, it starts just fucking you. And Storm's former life was an assassin, so nope. <laughs> yeah, no. So this does this, so basically that's why that I was like, oh yeah, he's in like a blue robe and black pants. Cuz he looks like fucking Sans. Literally when the combat starts Oh my he, nope. <laughs> when he, when the combat starts and he takes his stance, his stance is literally hands in his pockets, head kind of down, and then he stares at his target and one of his eyes goes completely blue. Yeah. So, fighting happens. Percy, Talisman, and the Storm end up taking out uh, one of the small boats. Sergei goes after... Uh, I have, He went after the exalted assholes. I wrote that in there. Uh, because he basically asked Storm, what do you want me to do? And, he's, and then she's just like, just get them. And uh, so, as we're fighting, our lovely pale dude uh, literally like lifts Sergei up and pushes him off the boat. Right, because he has uh, kind of like... Gravit like gravity manipulation. Uh, basically, it's not gravity manipulation, but it's basically he sees your sins and he can lift and move them. And, like he's not even like hitting you with tombstones and dragon beams because you guys are in the air. He just goes, "Oh, Sergey's killed people. Lift off the boat. Boom." Sergey doesn't have a flying form, unlike Surefire. Yeah, no, because he has all the all the reptile forms. So, and we couldn't find a flying reptile form at this time. You guys time. couldn't find a Terok in time for him to be okay. Nope. Uh, so, seeing that, this is our, not only is this Storm's Labrador Retriever Lunar Bond, everybody in the group is just like, oh shit, no, that's one of our Lunars, fuck you dude. So Raldo just straight up pin cushions him. Because Raldo has like... Uh, um, uh, uh, at Essence 3 with archery, you can just you can basically turn into a fucking Gatling gun of like bows, of like arrows. Yeah, bows and hate. It, it's disgusting. Yeah. There's just a lot of back and forth with this and eventually we're able to take out Sato's boat uh, and Speedwagon and him basically just go plunging down with the ship. And Storm, being the paranoid person that she is, is like, nah, we need to go down to that wreck. We need to make sure there's bodies there. No body, no proof of death. Which, in Exalted, isn't even always true. You can still have a body and proof of death, and they can still fucking come back. Yep, because they could have, like, 
fucking ninja, like, turned into a log or whatever. Yeah, so... Huh. I don't know what that fucking jutsu is in Naruto, and that's... Substitution jutsu? That's what it's called. Man, I couldn't remember what it was because I fucking remember watching that show in Japanese, so I was trying to think of the Japanese name for it. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head, but substitution jutsu, it's, yeah. usually, it's usually a log. Yeah, like it, a it, small it, log. it's almost always a log because... For some reason, logs are hilarious in Japan. I don't know. But yeah, so we go down to check on them, and uh, they just, they clearly survived because there was no bodies there. And uh, Storm might have taken that sidereal of Journey's head um, for Raldo, but Raldo let her keep it because she's forming a collection of sidereal skulls for reasons. Yep, and that was probably one of the best combats that I ran for a group. Yeah, then we go to Gethamane, where uh, we run into our next combat, which is Octavian! But that also ends that session. Right. So Octavian, the Living Tower, is a second circle demon. I can't remember who he is a second circle demon of, but basically he's the combat fucker, like, hey, do, do you wanna do you wanna really test your group in combat? see how well they do it against Octavian because Octavian has weird fucking demon charms like the tower still stands that completely destroy like alpha strike characters which thankfully I was not <laughs> <laughs> yeah you weren't nope doesn't mean other people weren't right yep so next session Sunday April the 1st, 2018. This is the second half of the session, because as we mentioned in the previous episode, the first half of the session was a mini-session for me with uh, dealing with Rathus and Raiden and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So this is the second half of the session, which also does not have a lot of notes on it, because it was mostly combat, and I just don't take a lot of notes on combat usually. Um, unfortunately, we did not have Jake there, so that meant no Raldo. So I don't know what we had Raldo do, but he just kind of fucked off into nowhere, pretty much. Um, he, he went off to get the fleet. Probably. I distinctly recall I said he went off to get the fleet because, uh, at the end of it, the fleet shows up. Spoilers. Mm. So, Behemoth shows up through a pocket of the wild, because I believe Devin was not at the previous session. Devin was not at the pre- yeah. Uh, that was... Yeah, Devin was not at the previous I don't session. remember why. He just wasn't there. And Octavian shows up riding a giant agata with realm forces. And there's a legion, like a legion of realm forces, which is about 5,000 troops plus Octavian. So this is already great. This is fantastic. So not I totally only didn't intend to actually give the party something to actually, like, get... Like, basically get fucked. So to give like, you an idea, you have a fang, which is 5, a scale, which is 25, a talon, which is 125, a wing, which is 625, and a dragon, which is 1,250. This is a legion, so 5,000 troops. And Octavian. Yeah. And Octavian, who is a boss fight in and of himself. But on the plus side, you guys also have your army. Yeah, super helpful. Which basically turns it into the armies kind of clash, and I think Percival does a bunch of war charms to help the army. Well, uh, this, this fight actually ends up getting split over two sessions, I forgot. Does it really? Yeah, because I literally have a... It's, this started on April 1st and then continues, and we finish it on April the 15th. 
Okay. Because I actually have a note in here that says Octavian is finally out of his zeros. I'll stab him next session. Okay. So the first session we started fighting him, we only got him out of his fucking zeros. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and I was down to not an awful amount of essence. I actually had only used three personal and about overall with what we got back about five peripheral. So I didn't use a lot. That's not terrible. No. Which means I went into the next fight with 16 personal and 38 uh, peripheral. So it was not awful, but we also didn't get to fight him super long. So I think it was a very short session, especially after we got past my first my personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So continuing Octavian fight, April the 15th, 2018, uh, we start fighting them um, and we get hit with like poison from an Octavian attack. And then I want to say it was from the uh, no, no, you're right. From the from Octavian, his uh, his staff that he uses uh deals poison damage yep so we end up uh fighting him for a while so what we basically do is behemoth in the long run behemoth ends up holding him somehow i think he just puts blew everything he had into holding octavian still for just like a single round right and talisman goes up to the mountain that's over him and using uh, i think it's craftsman's needs to tools Craftsman needs no tools. Correct. And basically slices the top of the mountain off, and it just... Right on top of both of them, just flattening them, which kills Behemoth. And, air quotes, kills Octavian, because you can't really kill him. Sends him back to Malpheus for a Yeah, you can't really kill him. So, um, weird thing about that, uh, so, uh, what... So weird. Th- the weird thing about that is, is that I was totally ready to have Sergey, uh, because it was actually at the time where that uh, he could do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for once, his initiative and his sword's initiative lined up perfectly. Um, when the mountain started falling, Sergey was going to cut the mountain and save Behemoth. But I, I, if I remember correctly, out of character, Devin was just like, "I'm done with Behemoth. I want to play a new character." Yes. Yeah. That that is exactly what happened. I went, oh, okay, bud. I was. It's literally lined up. The the stars have aligned for this character to be saved, and he was like, nah, man. I did everything I wanted with this character. This is a good death for him. Yeah, it's it's protecting his solar circle, which was very important to him. It was very thematical, and he went out kind of like a hero, basically, for this whole thing. Yep. So with. Uh... Behemoth the dead, he that whole oath that he made and bound to I think it was Dancer and Throne in the Abyssal Circle from Made yep. Beneath the Ways is basically just broken now because yep. there's not a way to uphold that, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's no uh th- there's no one in charge on your side to uphold that. So I mean that got you guys out of that, right? Except it really didn't because Yeah, it, re- to, it really didn't. I think at this point I had to be like, Oh, John and Craig are moving. I've, I think I mentioned it last episode, but, like, I have to put the timetable up way farther. Yeah, I gotta move everything up. We defeat Octavian and all that other fun stuff. So we get into Gethamane, and, you know, the people of Gethamane are happy to see Sergei. Uh, and they decide to pledge their forces to the Bull of the North to help with everything. 
Um, we find out that Gethsemane is this underground area that we're gonna kind of go to later, and that it was once used by mountain folk, like dwarves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just kind of chill for a little while there, and then basically, you know, the next session we're gonna go talk to the Bull of the North and let him know what's going on and figure things out with him, and head back to Sunshade. That's is that is that when we switch to Godbound? Yeah. Or well, it... uh, we finished that session and then we. Uh, Switch to Godbound because the next session is on uh, May thirteenth, which twenty eighteen, which was my birthday session. All right. So to really clarify why do we decide to make the switch to Godbound, um, that session with um, with the Octavian fight, um, there was a single round. Uh, no, not even a round. There was a single turn of combat between myself and Devin um, that took. Over an hour because of dice tricks and uh, a bunch of other bullshit. Basically having to compare notes and kind of do a bunch of little things. It kind of caused, um, well, a little bit of a distaste in my mouth for that system. At least at the time. It really didn't make me want to keep running it. I basically used Octavians in the in the book stats and the reason that it took so long to take out Octavian is because he has a move called the tower still stands where that hey he gets brought out of his zeros or his negative ones you can no longer damage him for the rest of the round because he's just that big of a fucking deal he is literally he has a charm that just says I am a fucking boss fight you're going to deal with me fuck you yeah, it was it was a rough fight. That's why I was just like, "Well, we finally got him out of his zeros. Congrats to us!" And now bullshit. Yeah, no, you got him out of his zeros, but then like it took an hour to get him out of his negative ones because Devin had like this continuous attack charm, and it didn't help that like Craig, while that we've mentioned before, Craig was a very good at helping us keep going with this game because I think that I probably would have switched to something else. Um, a year in, but he knew the system, like, way better than anyone else, so, like, he actually helped Devin figure out the best way to deal with Octavian, but the problem was is that he didn't know that Octavian had the tower still stands, but he had to go through with everything, and instead of, like, I guess deciding to not basically just be like, okay, yeah, it does things, and just kind of be like, well, just fudge some dice. I actually rolled them, and the problem was is that when you get down to rolling that many dice, and having to compare numbers between each other, and oh, ones do this to you, yeah, but my charms say that ones do this to you, and certain charms, like, supersede each other, and, like, you have to really look into the nitty-gritty of it, it's, it becomes way less fun, because literally... It's me talking to Devin and Craig talking to Devin and I have, what, four or five other players around the table who are, like, have nothing to do for an hour. And that's not fun. Like, you guys have listened to our other sessions and everything. I might focus on other players for 30 minutes to 45 minutes. But there's all, and yeah, maybe sometimes there isn't stuff for everyone else to do, but I do go around the table and give everyone at least 15 minutes of their own personal fame. Uh, Something to to make it feel like they're still involved. Yeah, I give you guys something to make it feel like you're still involved, unless, of course, you guys are doing group shit, at which point the whole group is involved in everything. 
Yeah. Which is really, like, noticeable in that first and fourth session that I ran for Mage. So, as much as I would love to continue the story of uh, the exalted kings of creation here, uh, I would like to actually take, uh, well, probably the rest of the episode to actually talk about how we felt, because it is, it works right now, because we're at the end of, we, we're at the end of uh, running Exalted 3rd Edition. And I think that, you know, anyone who's stuck with us through this whole thing, you've listened for 16, or for 15 and a half episodes, so for the last episode, let's, uh, of that, let's get our opinion on Exalted 3rd Edition. Just quick 1 to 10 scale, Christina. How do you feel about Exalted 3rd Edition? Uh, or should we think about this a little uh, bit I, I don't think I can put on a scale, really. Like, for me, I really... I've always loved the world of Exalted. It's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. The system, because I have seen and or played a little bit in 2nd Edition and more so in 3rd Edition... Um, comparatively, I didn't. The thing I didn't like about second edition was the perfect attack, perfect defense, which I think we've we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah, that, so I that feel is, I feel like we've covered a lot um, of things about alpha, this before. A lot of the problem with uh, second edition is alpha striking. Yeah, and in third edition, I I liked the back and forth of combat. It flowed a little bit more how I feel like an actual fight would go, where it's like. You do a couple punches on somebody, they do a couple punches back. But the big problem is it's great for, um, like, smaller groups. Mm-hmm. Like, if you only have maybe, like, three players and, like, an NPC or two, I think it works really well. I think three players... I think that three uh, three people is the max you could really feasibly run um, Exalted 3rd Edition. But when not you even including got, NPCs. like, five or six, like what we had... Plus NPCs. Yeah, it gets kind of clunked down because you have to mess with initiative order and you don't always know when you're going to go. You have to make sure if you have anything that has like dice tricks or initiative reaping or giving, you have to sit and mess with that system of it. You have to also mention it it to the GM because the GM can't be expected to remember five to six character sheets on top of every other character sheet that that they have to remember. Um... Because, like, uh, Storm, she had snake style, so it was very initiative-heavy initiative for her. Heavy. I, and the way I built her with a lot of the dodge stuff so, was very initiative-heavy. Like, read in the wind and all that other stuff that, like, oh, I can use some of my initiative to, like, up, I think it's, like, my invasion or my parry or something right. like that. Or I have this ability where I, I lose some initiative so, like, I can get away from this ability. Or, like, if my initiative is higher than them when I start, then I... Can you like automatically go, yeah, assume snake form. Or, and I have, like, a thing because I'm a solo where, like, if this is the case, I can add plus two to my initiative, and if it's still over theirs, then I can, or if it puts it over it, I can still assume it. It's a very crunch-heavy system that I think that the way that I explained it to... It's a very crunch-heavy system, and I feel it theoretically works, but I feel like that this system would work much better as a, um, like, Neverwinter Nights. How that, uh, if you go online... It, it's basically Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, or D&D 3.5. Yeah. It's basically D&D ish. 3.5 with the roles. The roles are shown, but, like, all the math is fucking done for you. Yeah, but, like, the thing with, with D&D usually is you have a fixed initiative. Right. But, 
Whereas so, this so, is a very so, fluctuating so what one. So what I'm referencing is the video game Neverwinter Nights. Okay. Uh, I guess that we got confused there. I, I My introduction to Neverwinter Nights was literally a video game that got released back when I was in... So the, I never played it. Back when I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, I never played that. So, um, so basically, it's basically just Dungeons & Dragons. I want to say it's either AD&D or it's 3.5... And you do, you get all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. You get feats and levels and HP and AC and everything. But it, it flows very well because all of the calculations for dice stuff is done in the background. So you don't have to sit and manually. So you don't have to sit manually because computers can generate that. that stuff. They can. As long um, as you have the program and the setup for it and everything the, the, inputted. The, the basic way that that would work really well is um, are. I'm going to say a word, and you're probably super familiar with it, but you don't know that you're familiar with it. Probably? Do you, uh, not a word, but do you, do you know what the active time battle system is? Uh, maybe. So it is a system that was introduced in Final Fantasy VI, um, and it was used, I want to say up to nine, and basically it's where a bar fills, and then like enemies can keep going and like they can still attack you while you're scrolling through like your items and everything mm -hmm. um but like you can see when that your when the x character is going to go gotcha yeah okay i don't sure about so i feel like that so i feel like that system would work like the active time battle system would be a very good extrapolation of uh or a visualization of how initiative and uh, withering and everything goes. I could see that. I so, could, like, I kind oh, of see I, hit, that. I hit you with a withering attack, so your ATB bar goes back, like, 10%. And you go, oh, okay, I get it. That's how that's how initiative works in this. My uh, ex-party member of Storm can't go until this fills up. It. I feel like that it would work better as a video game with all of the minutiae that is inside of Exalted 3rd Edition. And let me put it this way. There is a lot of minutiae inside of Exalted 3rd Edition. Well, like, the other thing, I do appreciate all the dice tricks, but they can be basically endless. They can like be. Like Talisman's crafting like rolls. Like the crafting rolls that require Excel spreadsheets or databases to basically, like, figure out when they're going to end. Because there becomes a point where that you just kind of go, okay, you got 500 successes. Good job. You made a sort of creation. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. Especially if that's what you specialized in, like what Talison did. Exactly. Um, I think that there's a lot of really good ideas in Exalted 3rd Edition. I think that they're executed poorly, but I think that they have room for improvement. Yeah. And like, like I was saying, there's a lot of minutia in that book. When I got that book in the mail, I thought I could kill a person with it. That book is not a, like, a small book. It not only has the setting what, in it. a third or half of it is ch just charms? Yeah, almost like 300 pages of it is charms in a 900 page book. Like, it's a little ridiculous. Well, it also has stuff on... Each of the places, um, uh, not countries, but, like, the land and the location of it. It has, like, snippets for that. It talks about 
kind they, of like well, what each each I think if I remember correctly because I haven't looked at it in a while, it has like a little synopsis of like each uh, each exaltation. Uh, then it deep dives into how to build care. It's a, it's a very basic player's handbook, but it is a a lofty book. It is a lofty book because charms are a very big part of that system. Um, of manipulating dice and uh, I feel like that I feel like that one of the problems that they ran into when making this book is is that instead of Instead of having each charm be its own unique thing that can work with other things, they decided to... Almost like, you know how that, like, back in, like, the early 1900s, like, writers for stories were paid by the word? I mean, there's a lot of people that are paid by the word nowadays, uh, too. So. Well, okay, fair. But, like, back in the 1900s, like, you got, like, a penny for a word. Which is why there's, like... Like, H.P. Lovecraft is only so is only as verbose and like weird as he is like i remember reading the call of cthulhu back in my junior year of high school mm -hmm. and looking at the pages of it and there were two pages on a very large like hardback book three paragraphs because he's extraordinarily verbose because back in that day, when you wrote short stories, you got paid by the word. So, like, I feel like it's almost hearkening back to that. I know it's not like they had a Kickstarter and people, like, funded this whole thing. But, like, it feels like they put too much fluff and not enough... I hate to say it, but not enough content into it. Okay, so we've talked enough shit about uh, Exalted 3rd Edition, about its flaws, about its problems that it's had, which are many, um, especially with a larger group. Uh, there's a... I don't think that this system is perfect, and I don't think that it's... No system's perfect. No system's perfect. I think the closest you can, honestly, in my opinion, the closest you can get to a perfect system is, from my experience, uh, as far as system-wise goes, is probably D&D &D 5e. Uh, it's very easy to pick up. It lets you do what you want to do. It's and not as customizable as some systems. It's not as customizable. But, but it's fairly streamlined, more or less. Right. I think that it, it works for what it wants to do. Yeah. Um, so I want to know... I, I want to know, Christina, what did you enjoy about the Exalted system? I mean, specifically 3E or... Specifically 3E. We're specifically talking about 3E. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because, I mean, I've already said what I really like in general about Exalted and it's of itself. The Exalted setting is fucking phenomenal. The system has never been great. Um, I... So it's really weird. So I'm I'm not a huge fan of Pathfinder because it has a lot of options on what you can do and it's just a lot it's very overwhelming for me. And um so I I'm not a huge fan of it. I'll play it, but it's not really my cup of tea that I would prefer to play over other things. You'll play it, but if you're going to play it, you're going to go online or ask a buddy and be like Hey, make me the optimal build. It's, it's, it's pretty much what I've done. Like, I ran a one-shot with uh, some friends, and I was like, Hey, I would like to play a monk. Build me 
a fun monk thing. It doesn't have to be super effective, just something fun that I that you think I would enjoy. I trust you. And they did. They built a fun character. Uh, I've played... I, I've told people, like, I, this is the kind of character I want to play. Is this feasible? And people have built it before for me. But I, I just... It's a lot for me to sit down and just build a character on my own with Pathfinder, because that's a lot of options. Well, the funny thing is, Exalted 3rd Edition has a fuck ton of options with charms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as overwhelming as Pathfinder is for me, which is really weird considering that it's still a lot of options, a lot of avenues to go down. So I don't know why, but I, I like the availability of charm options. Like, it's very, like, if you know what you want to play cast-wise, like, that's kind of set up for you. It's like, you get these specific things because you're this cast, there's kind of a flavor to it that you don't have to follow. Um, I I did, and Jake did, we both did as kind of the night cast, where we went, like, the sneaky, or the spy, or the thievery, that kind of route, but you don't have to go the route that's, quote-unquote, built into the cast, but, uh, I don't know, I just, I liked having a lot of charms available to choose from, and kind of customize my character in that way. So, So, um, my opinion on that is that I think that the reason that that, um, resonated with you so well is... You is that with most White Wolf products or Onyx Path publishing products, um, a lot of the focus is on what is your concept, not what is your class. So, like, you made your concept as an assassin. So you're not looking at bureaucracy and linguistics and socialization and performance charms. You're looking at martial arts. You're looking at dodge. You're looking at stealth. You had a focus on what you wanted to do. Yeah, you had a million... You had a Pathfinder, like... Pathfinder, at the end of its original first edition run, level of options... You have hiccups now. (laughs) Yeah, I have the hiccups now. Level of options to choose from, but because your concept, because the character that you made was this, you knew what you wanted to I do. Mean, you Storm <laughs> wasn't gonna go fucking socialization or survival because sur- the, the or sailing or war. Yeah, well, sur- That's not survival Storm. didn't have stuff that fit her. Survival is the Pokemon tree, weirdly. Yeah, it's it, it it's a weird very, fucking tree. Like, if you're going down that tree, you're going down that tree for a very specific thing. Um, and like, for me, I picked up a couple of socialization stuff, but I'm not to toot my own horn. I'm pretty good about that out of character, anyways. Right. And so, I, to untoot my own horn, am kind of bad about it. I like to give, uh, so I, I like to have socialization stuff be not rolled. I like to have it be role played. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like that's a thing that I should really work on because. Sometimes, like, like I feel like that when it, someone makes a good argument, I should just be like, oh yeah, that's really good. Roll your fucking, like, your, your charisma and your performance and I'll give you a three stunt die. And then you look at me and go, that's five dice. Yeah, but then you add three stunt dice. And then you go, no, with the three stunt dice, that's five dice. And I go, oh... You didn't put anything in those points. Well, let's see how this works. I mean, Storm had high 
manipulation because right. I made sure but, of that. But what I'm saying is, is that I really need to work on the not just letting you guys kind of steamroll. I feel like that it, you guys don't do socially steamroll. I don't feel like you guys have ever intentionally done it, but I feel like that a lot of social steamrolling kind of happens to me because I like that social aspect of roleplay and I like to reward it. So what I should start doing is start giving you guys bonuses to that for your roles instead of just saying, oh, it fucking works because you have, like, an airtight social, like, thing. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, so for me, one of the main things that I really picked out of the Exalted 3rd Edition system that I absolutely fucking loved is the intimacy system. Oh, yeah, I really like that, too. And, like, sticking to that and trying to uphold it and roleplay it out. At some point, I'm going to have to just show you uh, what Exalted 2nd Edition uh, looks like for intimacies. Because, oh, boy, intimacies get what, like... Uh, That's the one thing I don't really remember super well from, from 2E4. They're it. really not in there. Oh. They're, 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 they're mentioned. They're barely in there. It's it's like where it's a big part of three E's. It's, such it's a like huge, following your intimacies and using it for arguments and stuff like that, and trying to uphold them and everything. Like for me, I had protectiveness of Sergey. So like, if I see him get hurt and I don't do anything about it, it's just like that's not following my character. Right. So um, I asked this or I asked this like ten minutes ago on a and now that we've talked about it. On a 1 to 10 scale, where do you rate Exalted 3rd Edition? Um, combat-wise, I put it, like, maybe a 5. Okay. Um, more or less everything else, maybe, like, an 8, probably. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, like, it's, a, a it's lot not of like... the non-combat stuff gets really interesting when you start doing it, like performance charms or bureaucracy charms or war charms and crafting. Like, crafting is fucking... Like, like the, the combat system's not awful. It just needs some tweaking to make it a little bit um, more fluid and interesting for bigger groups. Like I said, smaller right. groups are probably fine with it. We just... Like, because we, I've seen small fights before. We've done small fights We've before, done, and they you've done small fights actually multiple times because for some reason you just kind of keep getting those uh, those mini sessions. Well, I mean, Storm was basically Storm was that character that could be like, guys, I'm gonna disappear for a week, and people are like, she'll be back, or she won't. Like after a certain amount of time, we'll go and look for her. Uh, but she's probably fine. She could usually take care of herself, and that worked almost every single time pretty much okay so i think the character was built that she could be a loner or work well with a group and that's kind of so, how i built her based off of the backstory i had for okay, her and the way so five for combat eight for everything else yeah so overall is it a six or is it a seven six point five so she, you cheat so much here, Christina. <laughs> it's so, that's so bad because that is literally what I was going to call it at. A 6.5 to a 7. It's a good system that, like, has has a lot of flaws. It has so many flaws that make it really It's not hard. flaws the flaw in though. Yeah, but flaws the flaw in is fun because then that's me just kind of 
grabbing the group and going, "Hey, what are your fucking flaws?" Ah, here's how, here's how the GM's gonna gonna mess with you today, buddy. Yep. Yeah, no, I I put Exalted Third Edition at about a seven as far as uh, systems go. It's good. It's fucking good. But there are problems, and if you're not um, if you and your players are not math heavy, if you and your players are not system heavy and crunch heavy you guys probably aren't gonna enjoy it um it's 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 not quite the game for you but if you can find a way to to make it work or maybe reduce some things or find a way to alter it that so works there, for you are, and i know you have found something that i was, that actually, will help I was with actually that. gonna mention that um, because i would like anyone who's listening to this to understand that there is uh alternatives um, one of the alternatives I have found, which we are going to test out at some point when I get to that Lunars game that I've uh, mentioned. I'm so that, excited that we're for Lunars Pirates. Is I want to try the Momentum Exalted uh, thing. Basically, this uh, negates the, 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 the initiative shift system. The initiative shift system of doing withering attacks and taking away people's initiative and things being moved around is theoretically good. I have said this, a computer would do this great, and the ATB gauge being taken down by 10% because you got hit. Cool. That would work great in a fucking video game. It does not work great on tabletop. It takes about 30 seconds at max. Well, th av let's say average 30 seconds for a uh relatively well uh, versed GM to kind of change shit around. Like, you would need a program, an actual program to just kind of be like, oh, here's this, and then, like, you plug it in, and then it automatically shifts initiative. Yeah, I... Because you're that... having to shift, you're having to shift not just the person being a tax initiative, but the person who's attacking yeah. his initiative. Uh, something that I saw uh, Lee use that worked out kind of well was he had kind of um, almost a box grid that had different numbers for the initiative going from, you know, like negatives to positives. Uh, I think it was like 20 maybe on each side. And so he had like, I think it was like little tokens or something that he had for each character an NPC or it was like a sheet of paper and he would move those around on there and it kind of helped visualize where everybody was at that, with initiative that, and it helped a little bit that's a really good idea um that's not something I thought about um it's also not something I could really do at the time because I was as we've mentioned before uh this original game was me constantly having to move where we were running yeah some of our places could have really uh, i think that uh john and your old place would have worked really well for that um because we had a big table but my place no big table yeah it, no. it just did not work thankfully we have a big table now yeah, here right? that works pretty well for gaming and everything like that i will never not run without a big ass table yeah, never again. Never again. So, to cap this off, so, I, I'm at a 7, you're at a 6.5. It, it's a it's an okay system, but honestly, as far as things go, I feel like that uh, ratings, those are, like, the, the closer that you get to, to a 5, the worse that it is. Because it's not... It's like with movies. I would rather watch a 1 to a 2... Or a 7 to a 10. 
then I would rather watch a three to a six. I would rather watch a shitty fucking movie that I can laugh at or a great movie as opposed to a mid a mid tier movie. A mid tier like yeah, no, we, that was we a, kinda come out of it, it's like eh, that, you come out of it eh. and go, Yes, that was a movie. Yeah. It, it, I have no I, feelings about it one way or the other. I have no feelings about it being bad or good. I feel like that is honestly the worst thing that a movie can, that a movie that any form of media can do for you, because it's. And that's why I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put Exalted Three E in that tier, like just above that, because it is worth playing. It is worth checking out. The world is fantastic. I can't say enough about the exalted world it's i mean there, it's there's a fantastic. reason that, that, that we're running this yeah it's a that, there's that, a reason there's been three editions of it and they're still making supplements for the different exaltations right and we're still like we're still super excited to run another game of exalted because the setting is great the setting alone like just and like the raises sy- the everything up concepts are just system concepts are interesting, but they just do not. They don't always. Flow m- well. They don't always meet in execution. The thing that I was talking about the uh, there's a fan make that if you Google it, it's called Exalted uh, Momentum. Uh, that's what I'm gonna try and run for our Lunar's game. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out, and I'm just gonna say fuck it, and we're gonna switch to two E because at least two E I have. An entire fucking shelf worth of books. Of. I have first, second, and third for core rule books. Right. I just have to find them. Um, but yeah, that that's my plan. Is we're gonna try momentum exalted, and I'm gonna probably go four or five sessions, at least get two major combats in, and if people don't like it, fuck it, we're going to two e. And people like it, cool. Momentum exalted has basically like. Raised Exalted from that 7 up to an 8 for me. That's fair. That's fair. So, we switch from Exalted 3rd Edition to Godbound. What are... We're not going to give a review of Godbound right now, but what are your, like, initial feelings of that system? Of just, like, just a, like... From from the switch, how did that feel? Well, the thing to also take in consideration is, Godbound was not. It is made as a word-based system where you have basically words of power and abilities underneath of it. It was not made for Exalted. It's not like it's Exalted Godbound. It was made for you to have these powers and use these words and these abilities, and you're basically a god, which you can pair with Exalted. It kind of has the same flavor but doesn't like i feel like we could do more shenanigans more flavorful like intricate boat flipping shenanigans and exalted versus boat flipping um what's the other great one um my assassination your assassination any of the other like weird like they flip the boat that like those stories that i love to tell that is exalted. Is that there's these stories? Whereas Godbound is Godbound is very sh- straightforward. You can do some fancy stuff with it, but it's very straightforward. It tells you what these things do. There's a limited amount of things that you can pick from. It doesn't have 300 pages worth of charms. It's maybe like 
At the entire best, book is at most 250. Yeah, so you have at best like maybe 30 pages of words and abilities that go with it. Yeah, all of the words have... They take, uh, like, maybe a page or two. They take two pages. Each word takes two pages. All right, so the, each word takes two pages. You have basic abilities that you can do and kind of, like, sort of capstone abilities, which some are just better versions of the original ones. So, like, there's some good stuff there. You can definitely use it. We have a friend who did a superhero campaign. We've played Abyssals in it. We've played Exalted in it. Um, so there's stuff. There's good context there. It's just... We, when we've played it, we haven't been able to quite get the, the flavor feel. and feel that with Exalted. Now, a lot of this came down to me being kind of pressured by other players to be like, well, I put all my experience points into my stats. What do you mean my stats are going to be this static line that Godbound gives you? So I kind of, I kind of fussed with the numbers and basically my game turned into... Did you roll a one or a two? Nope, you, then you succeed on the, the save. Basically, um, everybody always succeeds at everything, unless they roll a one or a two. It And and we didn't realize how... So we built the characters originally, and then Brennan's like, no, wait, you guys, like, you can do this. And we're like, oh, really? So uh, I'm partially to blame for this. I rebuilt some people's characters, and then that's when it got to the... Uh, you have to roll one or two or three to basically fail this thing. So I kind of fucked that up for us a little bit. Yeah, you kind of fucked that up a but little bit. But you should have told me that this is how this thing was going to work instead of the reg regular rules. And I'm like, well, I know workarounds for this. <laughs> yeah. Don't let me build things. <laughs> oh, okay. So that should do it for us for tonight. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, remember to like comment subscribe send uh, questions send questions uh if you think that our opinion about exalted third edition is complete bullshit then you know what we'll i don't know get you on a discord call and we can argue with you i don't fucking know uh, um, or you could just tell us your opinions you of us it your opinions. we're free to discuss that like normal sane people no i like the idea of arguing with some random motherfucker on the internet online. You would on like podcast. doing that. Yeah, I would like doing that. I think that sounds like fucking fun. I would actually really enjoy that. I, on the other hand, would have a nice discussion that may get heated, but, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, from... So, next episode you guys are gonna hear after this is gonna be the werewolf, uh, not werewolf, shit, um, Mage Behind the Scenes, which is, like I mentioned, our last episode using my, uh, my not, well, it was pretty good, it did, it did its job, but, but using the not the studio microphone. Um. Uh, and then, so then we've got a little bit more of Iron Kingdoms coming up. We will, we are restarting oh, up Mage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'll have mage. new Mage content so, so out soon. So you guys are going to get another Let the Good Dice Roll after the, uh, before the, before the, let's see. So it's going to be this episode and then Mage Behind the Scenes and then next week's episode and then Iron Kingdoms and then the following week's episode and then back to Mage. And eventually, D&D &D will get thrown in there, but, uh... Uh, I mean, we can either throw D&D &D in there as a, uh, random day in the week, or you can wait until I finish up with Iron Kingdoms, but Iron Kingdoms looks as... 
from what I've been we editing... Could, we could just finish, wait till Iron Kingdoms is finished. That way we can kind of keep our rotation. I mean, that works, but I'm going to let you know right now with Iron, with the way that Iron Kingdoms kind of works, um, we're looking at... We're not going to have... Uh, a lot, a D lot. We're not... No. We're not going to have D&D &D up until probably, like, April or May. Eh, that's fine. We'll have plenty of D&D &D content then. That'll just, yeah, and then at that point, then, like, Werewolf won't come up until next year. Even though we're going to be running it in the we'll, summer. We'll, we'll figure it out, guys. We'll figure we'll it figure out. We'll figure it out. Eventually, we might have a, uh, we might get to two games a week. Yeah, because, I mean, Brennan's going to teach me how to do all the editing. Because not only am I running the D&D &D game, I'm also going to be doing the notes online as soon as I can get my butt off and uh, start you know, doing yeah, Mage and Werewolf. You have so much I have to catch such up a on. backlog, it's not even like, funny. Like, luckily for you for Werewolf, like I have it's such done a backlog. For the next, uh, five months. I have so. such a backlog. Yeah, so you can totally catch up on Werewolf. I think Mage is gonna be the hard one. Um but yeah, so uh I have to do Mage, I have to do Werewolf. Uh so I'm not only gonna be running my D D campaign, I'm gonna be doing the notes for my campaign. And I want to try and do the editing because I want to learn how to do the editing. So, so once, that's something to look forward to so for me. Once Mage finishes up, I think that we might be doing... We might be switching DMs. I might be giving up that spot. For a while. For a little bit. For at least... Uh, for, for a season. Yeah. The plan is to basically have like a season, which is probably about six months. And then uh, switch see, season, off. Season actually, normally I go with like three months, like an actual season. Well, I am I am taking over our off weekends. Um, well, no one else is offered to take over off weekends. I'm so. taking over our off weekends with a very small group of four people because it's my first time DMing and I just wanted a small group. And Julia, who is about to go back to school, uh, won't be able to run Werewolf until the summer. And so basically, we're going to try and reach a nice point with uh, D and D where I can kind of do like a chapter season finale she can take up we'll probably have a little bit of like a six month time skip between the, my first area right. and then when i join back up and just kind of trade off that way everybody gets their fix of uh, dming so basically if we have an overabundance of content that needs to be put up we will find a way to put it up so then it's not like just Backlog sit, city. Just sitting in the backlog and then, like, oh, Christina's finished up, like, her part of the campaign and now her entire job is just going through this. And, like, it, literally if we have, like, a point where that I'm just, like, I need a day off. Like, maybe Iron Kingdoms might turn into a once-a-month thing and it might go, like, Mage, Iron Kingdoms, Mage, D&D. &D. We'll figure it out. We'll figure this shit out. We're already, we're probably already boring them with the details of it. Yeah, but sometimes people like hearing the behind the stuff things. Maybe. So anyway, uh, for a pair of dice lost podcasting channel, uh, on a new studio microphone. He's so excited. I'm, I'm excited, so but he's excited. he is more excited than I am. <laughs> I'm way more excited than anyone has any right to be for a fucking piece of metal with a diaphragm in it, recording my goddamn voice. Anyways. I've been Brendan. This has been Christina. And always remember, guys, let the good dice roll. And you gotta do money to make money. Gotta do, and always uh, master your own destiny. Oh, God, I hate you. That, that's, all, that's all of our catchphrases right there. I hate you so much. No, you don't. You fucking love me. That's mostly true. Mostly, yeah. <laughs>